There is a religion that begins before man. Jesus interacted with this religion when he chided the Pharisees and the scribes saying, Woe to you, Pharisees and scribes, you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead man's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others. Religion that begins before man lives in the presence of and under the authority of man. Now, there is a duty we owe to man, but religion begins quorum Deo. Religion begins before the face of God. And there we find that we are alive in the presence of God, under the authority of God, and we live to the honor and glory of God alone. True religion begins before God. Religion before man is the church for good people. Religion before man, the religion that begins before man is the church of good people who look down on those who aren't so good. This church constantly preaches, do harder, try more. And its members either believe they've made it and they look down on those who are struggling or they're in dire straits wondering if they're even saved in the first place. Religion before God is the church for sinners who know they're not good enough, who need a savior, and know that salvation can never be lost, can never be lost because our God is too good and too strong to lose those whom which Christ died for. Before man, the church is political, dividing itself between the left and the right. Before God, the church is a kingdom not of this world. Before man, Christians look to the nation and look to nations for religious security. Before God, the church longs for a better country, a heavenly one. And though we are counted as sheep to be slaughtered, we know that religious security was nailed to the cross 2,000 years ago by the state. Put not your trust in princes and the son of man in whom there is no salvation. True religion is from God alone. Religion is before man, but first and foremost, religion is before God because it is from God alone. That's the main idea of our sermon this morning. True religion is from God alone. And I got three points. True religion is from God alone. Point one, religion is before man. But first and foremost, religion is before God. Point two, religion is before God. And point three, because religion is from God alone. True religion is from God alone. Point one, religion before God. Point two, religion before, or point one, religion before man. Point two, religion before God. Point three, religion is from God alone. The true religion is from God alone. Religion, point one, before man. Verse 14, or chapter 14, verse 1. In the second year of Joash, the son of Jehoahaz, king of Israel, Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, began to reign. Now we are back in Jerusalem. We're looking at Jerusalem in particular. 
and the throne of David, which God promised would be an everlasting throne. And Amaziah was fully Davidic. Verse 2 says he was 25 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jehoadon of Jerusalem. He's a Jerusalem boy, promise offspring child. And he gets a really good rignal formula. Verse 3, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. That's a good formula. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. For all intents and purposes, we got us a really good one here. A true Jerusalem boy, mom, Jerusalem woman, Davidic boy, Davidic child, who did right in the eyes of the Lord. Now, so far in Kings, we've only, there have only been two southern kings so far compared to David. We've seen Asa. He was compared positively to David back in 1 Kings 15. I quote, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord as David his father had done. The other is Abijon in 1 Kings where we hear his heart was not wholly true to the Lord as the heart of David, his father. So Amaziah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And we see a little bit, we see a little bit of that doing right in the eyes of the Lord in our text, verse 6. Verse 6 says, But he did not put to death the children of the murderers according to what was written in the book of the law of Moses. And then we see the command in Torah, Father shall not, father shall not put to death Fathers shall not be put to death because of their children, nor children be put to death because of their fathers, but each one shall die on his own sin. So Amaziah in the story seeks retributive justice. Some conspirators killed his father. Now that he has consolidated his reign, he seeks to take out the conspirators to seek retributive justice, which Torah allows for. The Torah allowed for this justice. But with a caveat, you can only deal with the killers. You can only kill the sinners. You can't kill their children. You can't kill the fathers and so forth. So he honors Torah. He kept the book of the law of Moses. Now, this is really important to understand because in the ancient Near East, during this time, most kings just sought, sought, they sought vengeance indiscriminately, and they wiped everybody out. Fathers, parents, children, grandparents, siblings, it didn't matter. But Amaziah honored. He kept the book of the law. He did right in the eyes of the Lord. Amaziah was a true covenant child. He was a Torah king. Right? Kind of. <laughs> kind of. Verse 3. He did right in the eyes of the Lord. Yet, not like David his father. He did right in the eyes of the Lord, kind of. You see, his piety was divided. When it came to the civil code, he followed Torah. When it came to the ceremonial code, he followed the idolaters. You see that? He had a divided piety. He was good with civil restraint. That's verse 7. He struck down 10,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt, and he took Selah by storm and called it Jachthil, which is its name to this day. King David subdued Edom and took it as part of Judah. Amaziah is like David, at least civilly. He's good. He's good with justness. He's good with justness, that conduct we owe our neighbor. 
Justice is the conduct we owe our neighbor. It's our religion before man. And he was good. But it's piety. Piety is the conduct before God. Our conduct before God is our piety. His piety was off. It appears his religion was before man only. His heart was not truly true to the Lord, wholly true to the Lord, his God, as the heart of David, his father. And piety is the first and greatest commandment. And justness, the duties we owe to neighbor, follow our piety, the duties we owe to God. And so the love of God is called the first commandment because all the others continue and flow from it as its source. So piety comes before justness. The duties we owe to God are first and foremost. And so the Christian life begins quorum Deo. And we renounce all created things that go against God's will. We abhor anything that stands in the place of or alongside of God as he has revealed in his word. We make no images of God. We only use God's name properly with reverence and awe. We only use God's name in prayer and praise and, and confession. And we go to church. That's piety. We go to church. That's proper piety. And from it, our religion, the man, will follow. So the way of worship begins before the face of God. And there we can serve our neighbor. So religion is before man, but first and foremost, point two, religion begins before God. And this is where Amaziah failed. He did right in the eyes of the Lord, kind of. After consolidating his power, after, ex 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 after executing retribution, he subdued Edom. After subduing Edom, he now turned his sights on the northern kingdom. Verse 8. Then Amaziah sent messengers to Johash, the son of Jehoahaz, son of Jehu, king of Israel, saying, Come, let us look one another in the face. Let us look one another in the face. It means let's fight. Let's stand face to face, mano y mano, and let's see who's standing when we're done. Let's fight. And there's no apparent reason given for this hostility. There is no reason but one, and that's pride. Because pride is the result of religion before man. When religion begins before man alone, the result is always pride. At least that's how the northern kingdom saw it. Verse 9. And Joash, king of Israel, sent word to Amaziah, king of Judah. And here we have a parable. A thistle on Lebanon sent a cedar to, on Lebanon, sent to a cedar on Lebanon, saying, Give your daughter to my son for a wife. And a wild beast of Lebanon passed by and trampled down the thistle. You have indeed struck down Edom, and your heart has lifted you up. Be content with your glory. Stay home. For why should you provoke trouble? So that you fall, you and Judah, with you. Where I come from, this parable is translated, Son, you're getting too big for your britches. <laughs> or son, don't get too big for your britches. Pride. Yes, you've won, but be content lest you fall. Don't let your pride defeat you. And Amaziah didn't listen to the wisdom. Verse 11, but Amaziah would not listen, so Joash, king of Israel, went up 
he and Amaziah, king of Judah, faced one another in battle at Beth Shemesh, which belongs to Judah. And Judah was defeated by Israel. And every man fled to his home. We read in chapter 13 that God gave Israel, the northern kingdom, a deliverer. And so the people of Israel lived in their homes. Now, juxtaposed to that, Israel fled their homes. And some lose their homes. Some get a taste of exile. Verse 13, And Joash, king of Israel, captured Amaziah, king of Judah, the son of Joash, son of Uzziah, at Beth Shemesh, and came to Jerusalem and broke down the wall of Jerusalem for 400 cubits from the Ephraim gate to the corner gate. And he seized all the gold and silver and all the vessels that were found in the house of the Lord and the treasuries of the king's house, also, also hostages. And he returned them to Samaria. Here Judah's getting a taste of exile that's coming. Remember, as this was written, this is written to the, the Israelites in exile. And they're seeing even before their exile, some of their own people faced and tasted exile before exile. Jerusalem now has fallen for the first time. Judah has fallen. Judah has been humbled. Israel's already been humbled, but now Judah is humbled. Hostages meant probably royalty or nobility, which was an ancient Near East practice. You took the king's children and the king's family, you held them to ensure that there would be good behavior from the conquered monarch. And the whole point of his ex the whole point is exile. The whole point is poverty. The whole point is this: religion begins before the face of God, or else. Religion cannot begin before the face of man. It must begin before the face of God. There is no "He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord." Kind of. We learn in 2 Chronicles 25 that Amaziah, after the raid on Edom, actually sacrificed to the gods of the Edomites. And so God put this arrogance in his heart to go after Israel. God made him arrogant. 2 Chronicles 25, 20 states, it was God says the arrogance, the pride was of God in order that he might give them into the hand of their enemies because they had sought the gods of Edom. Religion begins before the face of God. And this leads to our third point because religion comes from God alone. Verse 15 and 16. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoash Jehoash and that he did and his might and how he fought with Amaziah king of Judah are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel and Joash slept with his fathers you could highlight that he was buried in Samaria with the kings of Israel and Jeroboam his son reigned in his place reigned is an important word slept with his fathers is an important word it's also important to see that we've already seen Joash's regnal summary he's already got a concluding formula we heard a concluding formula chapter 13. Now he gets another one. He gets two regnal uh, concluding formulas. We've already heard that he slept with his fathers. Now we hear that he sleeps with his fathers again. Why repeat the formula? And why repeat it on the hills 
of Amaziah's formula, verse 17, his concluding regnal formula. Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, lived. Notice the text didn't say he reigned. He lived for 15 years after the death of Joash, son of Joaz, king of Israel. Now the rest of the deeds, are they not written? Yes, they're written. Verse 19, and he died by conspiracy. Conspiracy against him in Jerusalem. And he fled to Lachish and, and they sent for him there and they put him to death there and he was brought by horses and he was buried in the city of, of David. Never says he slept with his fathers. Never says he reigned. He merely lived. It's important. Verse 21, And all the people of Judah took Azariah, who was 16 years old, and made him king instead of his father Amaziah. He didn't do much. He built Elath, and he restored it to Judah. If he did anything, he did a little bit, not much. And after this, the king slept, and after the king slept with his fathers. He built Elath and restored it to Judah after the king slept with his fathers. Who's the king here? Who's the king that slept with his fathers? The text tells us only one king slept with his fathers. That's Jehoash. He reigned. Amaziah did not reign. After this defeat, Israel rules Judah. Jehoash is the suzerain. He's the one with power. Amaziah has become merely a puppet, a vassal. And not only did he become merely a vassal, Joash not only received a second formula, but his son, his son went on to greatness. In the first, his son, it says, verse 25, um, he restored the border of Israel from Labo, Hamath, as far as the Sea of Arabah, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke by his servant, this, uh, Jonah, the son of Midi, the prophet who was at Gath, who was uh, from Gath Hefer. So Jeroboam extended the kingdom of Israel. And he actually, the kingdom, that, the, the boundaries that it, it, that it explains, he reestablished the ideal borders of northern Israel that existed under Solomon. He has extended the borders that Israel had under Solomon. And what the text is showing us is that Jehoash and Jeroboam, the northern kings, are more like David than the southern kingdom. Jehoash is more like David than the one who was sitting on David's throne, whose mother was from Jerusalem, who's this good Jerusalem boy who did right in the eyes of the Lord, kind of. But Jehoash, the northern kingdom enjoyed rest while the house of David fell under Israelite dominion. All of these blessings, and here's the kicker. Here's what we're really, you know, mess with your head. Verse 24. Here's the northern kingdom. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which he made Israel to sin. Jeroboam was Solomon 2.0, yet he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Why did God bless him? 
He cursed the northern king, or blessed the northern king, rather, even though he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and he cursed the southern king, even though he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Kind of. <laughs> but kind of is better than he did evil in the sight of the Lord, right? Doesn't God grade on a curve? When I listen to the Christian radio stations in town, I hear that God grades on a curve. You know, do more, try harder. Ah, you know, you're not, you're not perfect, but at least you're trying. And shouldn't those who are at least trying be the ones who are blessed more than those who are on the downward trajectory of the curve? And so shouldn't the Lord bless Judah, at least kind of, right? He did what was good in the eyes of the Lord, kind of, you know? He's trying to get up that hill. Whereas this other king is flat out evil. So shouldn't the Lord who grades on a curve bless the southern kingdom, not the northern kingdom, yet he reverses? You see, when Christianity begins before man, the answer is yes. The southern kingdom should have been blessed over the northern kingdom. Because of course we know that grace is earned. Of course the reward comes by merit. That's what I hear when I listen to the Christian radio station. I hear you must do more, try more. You're almost there. Keep striving. You almost got it. It's all oh, it slipped out of your hand. Well, better luck next time. Perhaps you're not praying enough. That's the follow-up. Well, perhaps, brother, you're not praying enough. Perhaps uh, there's some hidden sins in your life. Oh, I bet there's those hidden sins. That's why God's not blessing you. Perhaps you're not tithing enough. That's what I really hear on the radio. Perhaps you're not giving enough money. Perhaps you need to love more. Repent more. Then God will love you. Then God will bless you. I know it's not perfect, but he grades on a curve. That's religion before man. Because religion before man judges the effects of someone's life by how good or bad their actions are. Religion before man judges the effects of someone's life by how good or bad they are. Religion before man judges God's grace by man's actions. But we call it amazing grace. And we call it amazing grace because it is free of man. It is free of man's ways. So amazing grace means God blesses the unrighteous and uses the ungodly for his purposes. Religion before man alone is a religion of good people trying to get better and looking down on those who aren't so good. And there's little acknowledgement given to God's grace. But religion from God finds that he's gracious to those under judgment. Religion from God finds a savior who did not come to be served, but to serve and gave his life a ransom. Religion from God finds Christ dying for us even while we were sinners. Religion from God finds that God justifies the wicked. God declares the ungodly righteous and we are saved by God's promise alone 
Why was God good to the northern kingdom? The text tells us because he promised Jehu that he would have a kingdom for four, he would have a throne for four generations. And through the prophet Jonah, he promised his blessings. And he promised in chapter 13 that he would give them a deliverer. And now we find that deliverer, Jeroboam, Jehoash's son. Jehoash is the real deliverer. He's the picture of Christ in the story. You see, Christ and grace, excuse me, came by God's promise to bless. And the ongoing Jehuite dynasty remains only because of God's promise. It remains by God's word. A word to bless. And so their success came by grace alone. The northern kingdom's success came by grace alone. Their power remained by scripture alone. And that's where true Christian success comes. True Christian success comes by grace alone, in Christ alone, because of God's word alone. True Christian success comes by grace through faith by God's word. And then guess what? Who gets the glory? God alone. True religion is from God alone. Religion is before man, but first and foremost, religion is before God because it comes from God's word alone. And Christ's last words on the cross show us this truth better than anything else in scripture. What was his last word on the cross? Finished. Redemptive history finished. The promise gave to Abraham finished. The promise of the Old Testament finished. The book of Torah complete. Salvation done. He was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And he gives us his righteousness. He suffered to give you life everlasting for true religion is finished. It is an accomplished act. You do nothing. The reward, as Heidelberg says, comes by grace. And it was finished before the foundation of the world. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. In love, he predestined us to adoption. Through Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. And all you have to do is accept this gift of God with a believing heart. And guess where that faith comes from? Not of works. It comes from God. Even your faith. Salvation is a promise of God. It is finished. God's word never fails. And oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to God that he might be repaid? No. For from him and through him and to him are all things. And to God be the glory forever. Amen.
Let us pray. At Covenant Reformed Church in Missoula, Montana, we sincerely believe God's Word and faithfully teach it. We invite you to worship with us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. For more information, please visit MissoulaURC.com. That's MissoulaURC.com.